Thanks to Bombfell for supporting Industry Focus. Bombfell is an online personal styling service for men that helps them find the right clothes for you. Get $25 off your first purchase at bombfell.com forward slash fool. That's B-O-M-B-F-E-L-L dot com slash fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, June 1st, 2017, so we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm your host, Sean O'Reilly, and to my left is one of the best analysts in the business, Mr. Taylor Markerman. What's up, sir? Well, thank you very much. Did you take a poll on Twitter for that? Uh, no, I looked around the office, and uh, I was like, I, hope I no think one else he's good at his job. I don't know. He's young. They, they, they did make him the co-manager of Full Canada. Yeah. It was a relatively new service, up-and-coming guy. Uh, yeah, okay. Deductive reasoning. Yeah. Okay. It, it, it may be a leap, <laughs> but I also built you up simultaneously. So I like it. Appreciate yeah. it. Um, if I was hosting, I'd do the same for you. Oh, what a guy. Thank yeah. you. Um, so on today's show, we're diving into General Electric's busy week and the first signs of production declines in the Permian Basin, although it's not quite what you would think. Um, but first, we've got to talk about the big energy policy news of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, Donald Trump is likely to withdraw the United States from the Paris Climate Agreement. Mm-hmm. Um, Trump has called the pact a bad deal for the United States and made withdrawing from it a key component of his campaign when he ran for president. Um, at an April rally, a month, about two months ago, I guess, um, he called the agreement one-sided and said the United States pays billions to um, basically be in compliance with the agreement, while China, Russia, India, any country you can think of, uh, they signed the agreement, but they're not doing anything financially. Um, Taylor, what do you think? Well, he's thinking about this from the perspective of manufacturing companies and petrochemical companies and coal coal power producers. Because it's expensive to not put out carbon dioxide. Well, yeah, they have the to they ha- they have to uh, change a lot of their operations in order to comply. Because basically, what this is trying to do is prevent global temperatures from rising 3.6 degrees Fahrenheit um, to avoid ice caps melting, rising sea levels, carbon dioxide tra- entrapment. In the atmosphere, um, so the science is still out. Some people say that climate change is real. Some people still say that it's not. So, regardless of what you think, if it is real, he's not. He doesn't have the best interest of the citizens in mm-hmm. mind from a health perspective and from a safety perspective. Um, he's looking at this from uh, a couple different sectors of the economy's perspective. Well, he's definitely playing to the base, for sure. The, the well, manufacturing and the... Yeah, when you think about it that way, but if you look at who was c- trying to convince him to remain in it, you have the three biggest coal companies wanted him to stay in the Paris Climate Accord. Oh, that! did you see the letter on... I didn't the, read the letter, but... E- I, every, basically, like... Every CEO of every big company you can think of. Yes. Elon Musk, I grow over at Disney. Like this list is like 40 well, people. Okay, so they're tech companies. Obviously, Elon Musk has. Disney's not a tech company. They're an entertainment company. Oh, and well, the, Pixar is tech, yeah. is tech. You're right, though. The coal, the fact that a coal company the and Exxon Mobil, Mobil is saying. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of the big uh, petrochemical companies and a lot of the big uh, fossil fuel companies out that, there That saying, has a lot of weight. Yeah, well, it should. Yeah. But it didn't. Even his uh, Secretary of State, Rex Tillerson, who's former CEO and ExxonMobil lifer until he jumped to the public sector, um, was was against him pulling out of the accord. Uh, interesting note that 
we are the us and Syria are the only yeah. two countries not in a not not in agreement with the rest of the world that climate change is real. Nicaragua also not in the Paris Accord, but uh, is North they're, Korea? They're in it. Is North Korea? I don't know if they're considered a country. Uh, oh on a global man! Scale. <laughs> um, but um, we're gonna nation. Be, this is gonna be like the interview. <laughs> <laughs> either way, there's gonna be a hit out on us now. <laughs> either way, Nicaragua said it doesn't go far enough, so we're not gonna be a part. Oh wow! Of it. Syria and now the United States are the only ones not in it because. It goes too far. I um, climate change doesn't exist. In doing my research for this, um, I was reminded, I was kind of surprised. Um, this is one relatively new. Mm-hmm. Um, it uh, went into effect after 147 nations ratified the um, it was sweeping emissions reduction agreement, mm-hmm. um, and that was just in uh, November 2016. Yeah, and it was. It's, it's an attack on. President, former President Obama's climate by, change initiatives, yeah. and and um, basically what it, for the United States, um, President Obama had said that by 2025 we would have our emissions 27 percent below 2005 levels. So in seven and a half years, we would be producing a quarter less carbon emissions than we did in 2005. Do you know anything offhand about um, the cost increases for any industry? Not off, not off hand, stuff. but um, you know, when you look at the coal industry, they have to deal with um, you know sequest. Uh, you're looking at basically the suppression of pollutants in their emissions, and uh, when we're pulling out of this, the forward progress that they were making, the billions of dollars that they were spending, are so now arguably are, are now arguably for not. Uh, even though you know 50% of our electricity came from coal in the early 2000s, now we're down to about 30% of our electricity from coal today. Um, and some of those technologies are carbon capture and sequestration. Uh, and and the Southern Company and some of the bigger coal-producing, electricity-producing companies, like I just said, spend billions of dollars over the last five to ten years, even before the Paris Climate Accords were were in effect. But discussions about such things were in effect, and. And now, yeah, they're left scratching their heads as to why did we do this and should we continue to do it? Because in four years, what if another president comes along and says, yeah, well, we're going to jump back in? It seems like the smart play for these companies is to actually just keep doing it, try to become more efficient. The smart, um, you know, humane, you know, the <laughs> list goes on of, of words that you could use to describe the benefits of going forward with carbon. Because regardless of the climate change, Carbon trapped in the environment, that's been known to be bad for humanity. Right. Regardless of the impact on temperature. So by pulling out of this accord, he's kind of, you know, throwing carbon in all of our faces. And in our lungs. And in our lungs. And when you look at some some polls that were taken uh, to see how Americans felt about this, 62% of Americans overall supported staying in the accord, including more than six in ten independents. 87% of Democrats, according to a Politico Harvard poll. So, uh, well over the majority of the Americans, based on these polls, For supported sure. yeah. staying in. So, he's not necessarily talking to his entire base. 
Got it. All right. Well, before we move on, I wanted to give a special sh- thanks to Bombfell for supporting our podcast. Uh, once again, Bombfell is an online personal styling service for men that helps find the right clothes for you. After completing a simple questionnaire, you are matched one-on-one with a dedicated personal stylist who handpicks every piece. Your stylist will email you his or her selections, after which you'll receive have 48 hours to make any changes or even cancel altogether. You are in total control. There's a wide variety of options. Bombfell scours menswear collections of brands and designers from around the world to send you pieces that work best for you. And the best part? It's convenient and straightforward. Your clothing is shipped straight to your door. No need to spend hours shopping at the store. You can pay for clothes you keep and send back the rest at no charge. It is the only styling service that does not charge a styling fee or subscription fee. Um, the I have to say, the sign-up process, I'm actually an incredibly happy Bombfell customer myself. The process itself and the style quiz was seamless and easy. So, a little, not, not much friction going on there. It took five minutes. Okay. Um, soon enough, my shipment arrived, and I couldn't believe how accurately they hit my personal style. Receiving the shipment felt like Christmas morning. You get the, uh, the, the, uh, the, the shipment, and there it is at your door. Uh, I loved all three items they sent me, and I could not believe the quality. Uh, I'm actually wearing the shirt right now. Taylor, Looking fresh, man. Think? Thanks, yeah, man. And yeah. I, I didn't even notice that it was a brand new shirt because it fits your style so perfectly. Boom. Yeah. Um, so we have a special offer just for listeners of the show. For $25 off your first purchase, go to bombfell.com forward slash fool. That is B O M B F E L L dot com slash fool. Once again, that's bombfell.com slash fool for $25 off your first purchase. Thanks again to Bombfell for supporting the Motley Fool. Uh, so, Mr. Muckerman, General Electric's been busy. Good they week. Have been. Good week yes, for. Uh, uh, God, what, what's the nickname of that place? Oh, they're GE con- they're, General. They're, they, they used to have a nickname. I can't remember. Uh, anyway. yeah, it doesn't all good. matter. Um, it, it was started by uh, Tom, uh, Thomas Edison, though. So yes, that's okay. Fun. Right on. Um, first, Baker Hughes, uh, its merger with Baker Hughes has been cleared by the European Commission. Yes, it has been. Um, was that on the line at all? Was anybody nervous? I don't, I don't know if they were necessarily nervous or not, but it's it's one step closer to having this deal approved. And um, the, the next step is the Department of Justice, who not too long ago asked for additional information, which is much like they did with Halliburton and Baker Hughes when they tried to do that a while back. Right. Um, so <laughs> the way these uh, reg- antitrust regulators work is comical to me. It's it's always been comical, mm-hmm. and because they 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 really dive in and look at the individual markets mm-hmm. that are affected. It's not just Oh, these are big oil service firms. It's uh, the tiniest little. They're they're trying to prevent monopolies in anything, any market. Yeah. So, so you have to imagine that there will be some some look, sales of some assets. Uh, yeah. So listen to regardless. this. They, they looked into multiple markets that the two companies competed in, and this <laughs> <laughs> onshore electric submersible pumps was one of the markets. Huge industry. Offshore electrical submersible pumps, uh-huh. chemicals, and of course derivative petrochemical products. Used in oil refining, mm-hmm. and of course, sensors used in drilling. Mm-hmm. Wow! If there's one thing I want to, it actually would be really cool to have a monopoly of some sort in sensors. Well, that sensor drilling. one is interesting because that they're looking at that because GE supplies Baker Hughes mm-hmm. and competitors. So, are they gonna? Little, yeah. Be mean? If they, could yeah. they cut out some competitors and only supply Baker Hughes? Could they overcharge competitors versus Baker Hughes? Could they? Spill the beans on some of the IP that uh, their comp- Baker Hughes competitors have been providing GE in order to produce 
sensors that are specific to their competitors. So, what was up? Uh, the structure of this deal was weird. Well, it's remember? basically the the oil and gas assets of GE combining with Baker Hughes. So, just a, a subset of GE, right? And all of Baker Hughes. So that's I mean that's just how big GE is. So it could, yeah, you could match the size of the third biggest oil services company with just a portion of its assets. Um, and it, when you think about this, it's definitely it would definitely help make uh, both of their businesses more competitive when you compare them to the world's largest oil services company, Schlumberger, and world's number two, Halliburton. Um, but it's not introducing new competitors. So, if you're a shareholder of Schlumberger and Halliburton, you don't need to start freaking out that, oh my God, this is a brand new competitor. What it's doing is just making the competition more competitive. So, right. uh, but ideally, GE and Baker Hughes would be able to strip out some costs, they would be able to combine technology, maybe make things more efficient, um, not only on the operations side, but also on the technological side. So it's making competition more competitive, not introducing new competition. And if they do have to sell some assets, you would imagine Schlumberger and, and Halliburton would have more cash than the rest of the competition to potentially purchase some of these assets. Um, specifically, Halliburton, since they tried to buy Baker or merge with Baker Hughes at one that was, point. I couldn't. So they might be interested in, in some of the spare parts that are cast off. Awesome. Well, we'll have to wait and see. Yeah. So the, I don't know when they're expecting the DOJ announcement, but uh, it, it's probably a little ways off because they did just ask for a little bit more information. Right. Which, as I recall, I it's been a while since I looked at a um, an antitrust review, but that usually happens like a third of the time. So it's definitely already in the minority. Yeah, and of that, I think it happened twice, maybe three times in Baker Hughes and Halliburton when oh, they geez. tried to merge. And oh, they asked for another. Like, yeah, they asked oh, for it at least twice, and obviously we all know that took over a year before right. they shot it down. Which is yeah. Um, anyway, so to help pay for the acquisition yeah. uh, by GE, uh, the U.S. Commerce Department just announced on June 1st that 13 trade deals were uh, created between U.S. and Vietnam following a trade focus trip by Vietnam's Prime Minister to the US where, uh, United States, where he met with President Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, biggest beneficiary was GE. They signed deals in Vietnam worth $5.6 billion for power generation and, unsurprisingly, aircraft engines. Mm-hmm. Um, seems like if you want an aircraft engine, it's either GE or Rolls Royce, right? Yeah, <laughs> like that's that's about it. You think you're getting it from the actual plane manufacturer, but that's not the right. case. Yeah, uh, I always wonder whenever I see a deal like this, um, how necessary. Like, had that guy not made that trip, would GE have gotten these contracts? Uh, that's a good question. I'm not sure. I mean, it's definitely part of um, Donald Trump and his administration's. Uh, announced plan to try and right the ship in terms of global trade and the, uh, Vietnam does have a 30 I think it was a 32 billion dollar trade surplus with the United States so um, these deals go a little bit of the way towards kind of so just for our listeners uh, Vietnam sells us 32 billion dollars more of goods and services than we sell get it. from them yes that's so right. we're in deficit there mm-hmm. technically yeah and they so, get more of our dollars than we get out of their currency so this deal the the total amount of the deals that you mentioned um over eight billion dollars i think is yeah that was, the was yeah. um 3.4 billion of that will be produced in the united states got it. so not the entire thing but almost 50 percent um so about a tenth of the trade surplus right there right yeah and big deal for ge i mean anytime you can land uh Deal of five and a half billion dollars spread across a few different segments of your business. Not bad. Not bad at Not all. Not bad. And the good news out of the European Trade Commission. So, uh, like you said, good week for GE 
and we've talked about GE quite a bit on the show. It's it's one of my favorite ways to play energy and industrials at the same time. I think they're going to be extremely interesting in the years ahead. We might have to do an entire show about them. We, but, I mean, um, you absolutely could. They're they're about to get rid of like completely rid of the finance yeah. arm. Like they're they've done like. Two hundred billion this is a long, in asset sales. This is a long this process. A yeah, but they were um, they were deemed to be uh, existentially important to the financial system, mm-hmm. and they like had a problem during the financial crisis. Like yeah. Buffett made that preferred stock investment just to kind of shore them up, which sounds yeah. insane <laughs> to shore up. GE. But like, yeah. but um, so now they'll have more cash to focus on their industrial operations and, and renewable energy, and it, it could yeah. get yeah. So. Uh, yeah, <laughs> nice plug there. Yeah, renewable. Well, yeah, I mean, they're GE's still they're future. still focused That's the title on of our a new next show. <laughs> they're, GE's renewable future. Regardless of what Trump has to say, GE is still focused on it because they they'll, they'll sell wind turbines to anyone but the United States if they right. have to. Who's it's GE and is it Siemens? Siemens the, is pretty big. There's the, the a turbine, there's a right, few yeah. different players, but yeah, GE and Siemens are the ones the publicly traded ones that you hear most about. Uh, so our last little uh, thing we got to wrap about the energy department just came out with a report that says the Permian Basin, which is of course the most profitable shale basin, it's yeah. in West Texas. It's the high horse. Um, and it gets even better within the Permian Basin. Within that is the Delaware Basin. Ooh. Um, Delaware in Texas? What? What? Oh gosh, that's a what? tweet. We need to tweet that out yeah. later. Um, uh, their productivity is about to drop. I need you to explain this to me and our listeners because they cite that the daily production of a new Permian well drilled by an average rig, that's really specific there, by mm-hmm. the way, will drop by 10 barrels to 630. This seems really small. That small is a 1.56% drop. Small drop in the Is in this the barrel. that big a deal? One, how do they come up with such a minute detail? That's like, a that good seems question. really specific. Yeah. I don't quite buy it. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I think they have a lot more time on our on their hands than we do to yeah, these really guys need an, a hobby. to really analyze the the per well uh, production. And um, granted, there are probably some hedge funds out there that are doing the same analysis. But uh, I think the big news is that it it's it's just that it's going down or it's expected to. So go does down. that mean that like that means that could mean that the, are we at peak oil the, in the Permian? <laughs> no, is that what this is? No, because when you look at it, they have. Uh, they have a crazy high amount of. We've talked about this a few months ago. The the wells that are drilled but not completed. So they're drilled. They're not fracked. Fracking yeah. is the most expensive part. Fracking is the part that unleashes the oil um, from the ground. We're up to one thousand nine hundred ninety five rigs in the Permian Basin alone that are drilled but not completed, um, and that's up from. Th- 1,348 last August. And each one of those could produce could hundreds, produce 630, 630 barrels yeah. uh, a day. And so this, yeah. this statistic literally means you and I go get a lease in the Permian Basin, never done it before. We get an average rig. We go down there. We drill. The odds are we'll get 630 barrels a day and right we've done bat. this a year ago it would be 640. Like This sounds crazy. Right, But that's right off the bat. So obviously we've talked right. about um, the the Precipitous decline in the production of these wells over time, predominantly up front for for shale. So you're losing a lot of that production within the first couple months, um, at least the rate of production. Yeah. Um, And so I just think it's interesting to see maybe the low hanging fruit has been plucked, or maybe maybe some of the yeah maybe some of the wells that aren't completed yet can right the ship a little bit. But basically, what you're seeing from a lot of people is saying that. Because of the downturn, and because of companies like Schlumberger, Halliburton, Baker Hughes, um, and, and 
the rest of the competition there in the services and equipment business, they were tearing apart their rigs to replace parts on ones that were in operations rather than having them all in operation and producing new parts. Oh, you think this might be because of the average rig, not because of the Well, uh, I think that's why there's a lot that aren't completed yet. I don't think that's why the production decline is... is, um, I just want to know, like, this this even seems like too round a number. Like, why is it not dropping to 629 or 631? There's a lot of round round numbers in the news. (laughs) sounds ridiculous They're very rarely uber-specific. I'm going to go get lunch at 1228 in 48 seconds. Just because... No, that's too specific. People can't understand that. If you read that, you're like, huh, I'm going to forget that. But you can remember 630 and 10. Um, but then you you look at even produ- expectations of overall production. I can't believe I'm nitpicking. Permian Basin is supposed I'm to sorry, rise by 71,000 barrels next month. That's a nice round number. To 2.5 million uh, barrels total, that's a nice round number. Um, it, it's just easier to digest. So overall production in the Permian is still going up, but expected average production per well might drop. So that over time that could impact overall production if wells It sounds like they could just get an above average rig. That's what I think. Well yeah, they're trying to build some more of those if you talk if you listen to the services businesses, but they've been a little hesitant because they don't want to As be they caught be. with surplus. As again. they should be. Yeah. All right. Well Mr. Markerman, always a pleasure. Indeed it is. Have a good one. You too. And that is it for us, folks. Be sure and tune in tomorrow for the Technology Show with Dylan Lewis. If you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at industryfocus at fool.com. Once again, that's industryfocus at fool.com. Or feel free to tweet at us at TMF Energy. And as always, people in this program may have interests in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear on this program. For Taylor Markerman, I am Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool off. <laughs>